Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, Adam Burrish and I dive into a busy trade deadline for Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks. We're thrilled to be joined by not one, but two guests this week, former pro player and broadcaster Colby Cohen, who you'll hear this weekend as Chicago faces Detroit on NBC Sports Chicago. Assistant General Manager Kyle Davidson stops by to detail the four-trade deadline day for the Blackhawks, his crucial role behind the scenes, and much more. All that coming up right now on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Everyone loves a hat trick. Well, your local Chevy dealer has a hat trick to get your attention. If you're in need of a new vehicle, but don't want to visit a dealership, check out Chevy's shop. Click and drive. Shop online 24-7. Take delivery at home. It's simple. It's seamless. It's smart. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to locate your Chevy dealer and schedule a test drive today. Shop, click, and drive. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I think when you when you add it all up and you look at what we were able to do, um, I would say very happy with where we're sitting today. Uh, it's been a long stretch. Uh, give a lot of credit to my staff. They've done a fantastic job getting through and uh, running down all these different scenarios leading up till the, the deals that we made today. And that's um, uh, been a good team approach. So, uh, you know, I, I think we've, we've set out to, we did what we set out to do. And when that happens, you usually you're really excited about that. Welcome into Blackhawks insider Carter Baum, Adam Burrish back with you once again. And Monday was a very busy day for the Blackhawks, Stan Bowman and the uh, Blackhawks hockey operations staff making four trades ahead of the trade deadline. Uh, One thing he said afterwards was uh, a quick compliment to his entire staff. A lot of work that went into the day, obviously, with so many trades happening. And we're lucky to be joined by a a crucial member of that staff here uh, today on Blackhawks Insider, Kyle Davidson, who is... Uh, in his first season with the title of Assistant General Manager of Hockey Administration, uh, joining the show. And uh, I mean, Kyle, four trades going down on deadline day. I'm sure you got a good night's sleep last night as we sit here on Tuesday talking to you. Uh, a busy day for you and and everyone in the hockey operations department. Yeah, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, it was it was a very busy day for us. Very successful day too, in my opinion. And yeah, it was uh it, it was a it was a busy one. Four trades, like you said, and uh, I think uh, overall a really good day for the organization. What was the if there was one target area you guys wanted to hit, we read stuff from Stan and what you guys, you know, say to the media. Um but maybe you can give us some insight. Was there when when you guys go through this? Is there a target? Is there saying, "Gosh, we need a right shot defenseman, or we need a power left winger, we need a center iceman"? Was there a target you guys were going for? Um, I don't think not at this point. Uh, I, there was more of a focus on just gaining assets for the future. I would say whether that came in the form of prospects or draft picks. Um, you know, we're always, I think Stan has mentioned it in the past, that we always put a premium down the middle and on the back end in terms of defensemen. But in this scenario, it was, you, you can be a lot less, you have to be a lot less choosy. You just have to take uh, kind of what comes to you. And 
you know, we'll get specific with what we're looking for maybe when we actually make the picks that we acquired in the draft. But at this time, it was just see what was available and uh, with, you know, with our eye to the to the future and building up our, our young uh, players, it was it was more so um, asset acquisition rather than uh, a specific type of player or a specific uh, prospect that that we had in mind. You talk about the asset acquisition, and we can just kind of run through the list here. On top of adding Vinny Henestroza, Brett Connolly, Riley Stillman in kind of the week to 10 days leading up to deadline day, I mean, the four trades, you send Matthew Highmore to Vancouver, you get Adam Gaudet in return, Carl Soderberg, uh, pending you uh, unrestricted free agent this summer, signed a one-year deal. He goes to Colorado, where he spent a large chunk of his career. You get Josh Dickinson, the rights to writer Rolston, uh, a freshman out of Notre Dame. Matthias Yenmark and a fifth rounder go to Vegas for a 2021 third rounder and a 2022 second rounder. So you move up in the draft this year. You acquire a pick for next year for Yanmark, another free agent. Uh, and then Madison Bowie and a fifth rounder go to Vancouver to, again, move up in this year's draft, kind of improve that draft, draft stock and get a fourth round pick there. How happy right now are you guys with how much you were able to kind of recoup for some of these guys and, and some of these assets, like you said? I mean, you have two veterans who were signed on one-year deals, just kind of helping bring along the young crew. And I think one thing that Stan said nicely yesterday was they did a great job early in the season, but now some of these young players are really ready to play and you can kind of move on from these veteran players, give them an opportunity to go compete. And then you also get, you know, a couple young guys swapping different scenery. You get Madison Bowie going to Vancouver. Matthew Highmore, who had fallen a little bit out of the lineup in recent weeks, he goes to Vancouver for another guy in Adam Gaudet. I mean, this has to be a, a banner day for you guys, at least in terms of what you were able to bring in for uh, for pieces that played a really big part of this team, but maybe didn't have the long term long term value there or part of the long term future more than uh, more than the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, every player uh, is, is a little bit different. But in, in regards to Matthias and, and Carl, I think they, they definitely played a very important part early on this season. And they, they, they helped set an example for some of the young players and help us bring along the young players at the pace we wanted to bring them along at. And once we felt that uh, the younger players got their feet under them, they got they got going, they got used to the league. I think it be, it made Matthias and Carl um, available in our minds to be moved and also give them a chance to really compete in, in the case of Matthias with Vegas and Carl with the Colorado Avalanche. They're two contending teams, you know, give them a shot at, at making a run at the cup. So I think that really worked out for both parties and, um, we were able to acquire some some good young assets in the uh, in the equation. I'm always curious. I've never been on the inside there, but every year there's a couple, one, two marquee players in the league that are up that are available. This year it was Taylor Hall with the Buffalo Sabers. Um, do you guys kick that around? Do you do you call? Do you inquire about that, or was he somebody that wasn't on your radar and it was kind of of no interest? And you guys don't even um, question stuff like that. I know all the f the fans. You always see the one big name, and God, wouldn't it be great to have Taylor Hall here? Wouldn't it be great to have 
TJ Oshier. Wouldn't it be great to get Sidney Crosby on the Blackhawks? Maybe they could trade for him. Um, you know, you always hear that kind of stuff. Was that a name that came up or was that, did that not fit into the, uh, what you guys are, are doing right now? Yeah, no, that, that wasn't a name that came up in regards to uh, acquiring for ourselves. I think um, the, the context in which he would have come up was discussing what kind of market he might set for some of our guys that we were mm, yep. possibly looking to move along. Um, yeah, we, uh, we're just not in that mode at this time. It, before the season, we set out an objective to look to the future and, and acquire young assets and develop young talent. And that hasn't changed. You know, I, I don't think any of the trades that we have made um, necessarily hurt our chances at the playoffs. We brought in, we sent out some good players, but we also brought in some good players. Yeah. And and I think we're still pushing for the playoffs, but in the 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 bigger picture, we're still look, we're we're committed to what we set out prior to the season, and that's that's an uh, an eye to the future. So yeah, no, it, they they you talk about them, but not necessarily for yourself. I guess just to follow that up, do do teams ever call and say, hey, what about Alex DeBrinket? Is he available? Or what about uh, Duncan Keith or Patrick Kane? Do teams ever call uh, about your pillar guys that they probably know are, are untouchable? Um, but do teams kind of scratch and just see? Um, I think it's very rare. Uh, yeah. Stan Stan does a really good job in laying the, the groundwork in terms of educating the other teams, uh, the other managers on what we're looking to do and what we're willing to do. So I don't think you get sidetracked with, with things that are not necessarily realistic yeah, right. uh, trades or, or moves. So it's, it's very, it's a very focused effort in terms of who we're trying to move, um, who we're willing to move. And then also uh, which uh, players other teams are interested in. So you, you have a pretty good feel for, uh, the scenarios that you're going to be hit with. So sure. nothing, nothing too off the wall. Yeah. Got it. I think, I think one of the cool things about being able to talk to you, not only in general, but especially the day after deadline day is obviously fans, uh, as, as Burr's kind of alluded to fans have this big picture in their mind. If we can make this, we can trade these four players for these two players, make a huge trade. It's not always the case, but like fantasy football, like fantasy football, you know, it, it, it doesn't always work out that way, but there's so much that goes into, I think every single move that is made. I want, if you can just help us peel back the curtain, let, let a fan in on kind of the entire trade process as it maybe goes down, because I, I'm sure it's a very rare occasion where Stan's able to pick up the phone, call another GM and within a couple of minutes, be able to say, this player for this player, okay, done, done, game over, trades trades acquired. This is a long process of talking to scouts, of looking at your own needs, looking at other teams' needs, looking at what's available, looking at the future. I mean, there's so much that goes into every single one of the deals. I mean, how, how do you guys approach that process uh, from, from the back end when, when you're discussing some of these moves? Yeah, I, th- I think in, in terms of preparation, there's, there's always – there's always the work that goes into setting the price for a, a certain player that you might be willing to move just so, you know, you know what you're willing to do and what you're willing to walk away from. So you have to be prepared on that step uh, in that sense. Um, once discussions start, you have to evaluate what you're being offered in terms of prospects, because then there's a whole different valuation uh, process that goes on in, in discussing with your scouts, whether it be pro or amateur uh, and then the actual mechanics of getting a trade done, does the money work? Do you have enough contracts? You're only allowed 50 contracts uh, 
in the NHL. So do you have enough contracts? Um, if it's a prospect, what type of prospect are you acquiring? Is it some at a position that you're already deep at, or are you getting something that uh, you you feel you need to fill? So there's there's many different layers to it, both in terms of evaluating what you're getting, but also evaluating if you can logistically pull it off. Some teams need you to keep money um, because they don't have the cap room. And, and also, if there's a multi-year contract involved, you have to deal with what we're living in now, which is a flat cap. The cap, the salary cap is always a consideration and always a concern for every team. But moving forward with a flat cap, it's even more so. And so there's there are so many layers just outside of agreeing to a price with another team. There's many, many facets that go into whether you're even able to make a trade. So it's it's definitely every trade is different, too, especially when, you know, if there's only one player for a future or if it's player for player, um, there's always a, a different valuation and evaluation process that goes into executing a trade. Yeah, I know talking to different scouts and some coaches and some front office people around the league, you guys all got really great reviews on in the last couple of days and probably the last week you guys have had. So congratulations on that. I know you guys are feeling good about what you did and um, the staff feels good about it. Before we started, you said, oh God, now it's a quiet time. Now it's kind of a dead period. And, but I know that you were, you were being somewhat humble and that you guys don't sleep much. You guys don't take much time off. When do you guys really kick up into gear looking at free agent stuff now? So I know that comes in the summer, but when does that really kick into gear for you guys? Um, I think you're always kind of, you know, you're always kind of planning for the future. You're always looking down the road, but um you know, the free agency is still quite a ways away. Uh, you're never, again, you're never not evaluating your roster, or your reserve list, or what your needs might be. Um, but for the time being, you know, I think we're just going to focus on on the games being played, try and get in the playoffs. Um, and then when the offseason starts to approach, we'll, we'll focus on, you know, the guys that might need new contracts, and uh, maybe some of the players that are that are available um, that we we might want to bring in. But right now, I think it's just we we got through a really busy period, and and we're going to uh, just finish up with with the games and and try and finish out as strongly as we can as we push for a, a playoff spot. You mentioned the flat cap. You mentioned kind of everything that goes into cap management. But I know that's kind of your your wheelhouse. Your one that is kind of dealing with that on a day-to-day basis. Just, I think every single dollar matters every time someone goes up or down or LTIR, all this stuff plays into consideration, especially in a flat cap world where it's such a crucial crucial asset. How, what are the gymnastics that gets done with some of the cap work, especially this year when you have a taxi squad, AHL? I mean, this has to be something that you look at multiple times a day and consider every single move because sending a guy down to the minors or calling someone up has a longer term impact than just the day that it happens. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, um, there, there's a lot that goes into it and a lot that is considered before any move we make, uh, especially something that has multi-year, uh, impact. So, this year, in terms of you know general transactions, it's been fairly easy, unfortunately, um, because of all of the injuries we've sustained. Um, we do have a lot of space uh, through long-term injured reserve. Um, 
But it, once you look forward, you know, you, you have to account for those players being in the lineup and healthy and, and any move you make um, impacts that, whether it's, you know, in, the, in this case at the deadline, it was, it was much more uh, in regards to money out, which is not um, as difficult to handle. Obviously, it, it, it relieves the budget to some extent. But um, you're always you're always looking to the future. You're always looking at at you know if we bring a player in, how does that impact another player that might need a new contract? And it's it's a constant uh, gaming out of scenarios. Um, and 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 but also it's a bit of we're in uncharted waters right now with a flat cap because normally you you have that increase year over year in terms of of you know a little bit of relief. With, with the cap going up, but now with it being flat, it's, you've got to be extra di- uh, diligent in, in, and sound in your decisions. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's very all encompassing. Um, and, and it's definitely a consideration that, that that's taken in every uh, transaction we make. Last one I got for you, Kyle, um, six months ago, I think there wasn't one hockey expert, hockey writer, that would have been predicting that we sit here today and talk about this Blackhawks team being a playoff contender or being in the playoffs. Now that we're there, and this is a team that is battling right now to get the end of the playoffs, as a hockey operations side, what's the one thing that this team that you guys would focus on or say this team has to do consistent, consistently now to be a playoff team, to make this make this year's playoffs? I think we just have to bring that high compete level every single night. We have to be relentless on pucks. You know, I think Jeremy and his staff have done an amazing job preaching that relentless type of hockey and staying on top of puck carriers and not giving the other team anything. And um, I, I think, you know, the players have responded. The young players have have really taken to the message and um, and the veteran players have embraced it as well. And so I think it's just keep keeping on um, on Jeremy's message and, and and following his lead and following his direction. And I think we're give, we've given ourselves a great chance. And uh, if we, if we continue down that path, we'll be uh, in the hunt right to the end. So looking forward to some meaningful hockey down, uh, down through the end of May and this, or sorry, the end of April and the start of May. And hopefully it works out for us. Last one for me. And I'm going to focus more on you yourself, Kyle, because I think your path has been uh, very unique, but also uh, at least an interesting one to look at. I mean, you started with the Blackhawks as an intern in the hockey operations department over 10 years ago, I think the summer of 2010, you've risen your way through working in different roles and video analysts, you know, analytics, operations coordinator, manager, senior manager, assistant to the GM, and now assistant GM taking out the two in there. I mean, what what has this path been like for you? I know, you know, I read I read a story recently that it's not something that you really expected to happen, but you've been able to kind of hit the ground and run with it, and obviously have the support of the Blackhawks and everyone else, and have a very close working relationship with with Stan Bowman, and obviously have the trust of him and, and so many people around the organization. What has this path been like for you, just to get to this point and be here? helping pull the strings with a, an original six franchise in the NHL. Yeah, it really is incredible. And, and like you, as you alluded to, I've had a number of different titles and roles and um, it's been, it's been quite the the journey since I started. I started it back in November of 2010, right after the Hawks had won the uh, 
the first of three three cups in that run. And I started as an intern. And uh, from there, I just I, I was I just wanted to experience whatever I could experience. And I was fortunate enough that that Stan and and everyone in the Blackhawks organization let me do whatever I I was willing to be involved with, whether it be amateur scouting, pro scouting, development, video work, like you mentioned, um, and through the video work, some analytics work. Uh, and then eventually when we had some uh, staff members leave to take uh, general manager jobs elsewhere, uh, the CBA and salary cap um, responsibilities became available. And, and I slowly learned that as well. And, you know, it's it's been... It's been quite a, a, a journey, um, but like I said, it, it, a lot of credit in, in my development absolutely goes to those above me that allowed me access and allowed me um, the ability to ask question upon question upon question. How does this work? How does that work? And, and really understand what goes into making a hockey operations run. Um, and And through that, I think I... I establish my own opinions, my own thoughts on how um, uh, I thought, you know, we should play or how, how, uh, what players I liked or how we should handle certain contracts. And um, yeah, it's kind of culminated uh, to where we are now with helping stand on a day-to-day basis. And, and having said that the, the growth continues, I'm, I'm still very young in the game, but I feel like I have something to provide and, and uh, hopefully I can continue to grow that, that knowledge base and uh, in, in the effort to helping the team get back to where we want to go. Is it fun to watch or maybe competitive to watch how other teams manipulate and, and make moves and, and do some of these trades? Like I think we saw this week, I mean, maybe the Tampa trade on Saturday is an example for, you know, you get a guy like David Savard. And only retain twenty. Only have to pay twenty five percent of his salary in a, in a three team deal. Is that kind of a competitive side of you of like, wow, how can we make that work, or how can this work, or always just finding new ways, new ways to innovate uh, trades or deals or, or anything like that? Do you do you find fun in that? Because I think a lot of fans are like, wow, that's incredible. I don't even know how that's done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I think there's always some fun in in ter- in learning. You always want to, and, and you can't be shy of where you do learn, whether it be from other teams or something another team does gives you an idea. Wherever it is, you you always have to adapt. You always have to learn and grow. And and through that, you can benefit the team um, more and more effectively. And so, yeah, I, I love seeing what other teams do. I love kind of talking through what another team might have done internally, maybe not necessarily directly with, with that other team, but you're always learning. Um, you're always getting new ideas. And and that growth, that growth never stops, especially in a, a salary cap era where things are getting tighter and tighter and you've got to be more and more creative to uh, find whatever edge you're able to find. Well, we appreciate the time, Kyle, the insight. We hope now that the deadline has passed, you can um, relax for a little bit, maybe, you know, take a night or two off from answering the phone every couple hours, talking about different deals or scenarios, but uh, fantastic work at the deadline, fantastic work, I think, all season long and, and throughout the last several years, a key member of the Blackhawks uh, hockey operations staff. And uh, it's great to talk to you for just a little bit today and uh, and get to know you and um, get to hear your path and all the work that you do because it doesn't go unnoticed. And I think uh, it's, it's fun to see. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. And congrats on all your great work. And 
Blackhawks are lucky to have a guy like you. So keep it up. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Carter, Adam, thanks for having me. And uh, go Hawks. And that rush offense, which we've come to love and know about Penn State, and that was on display. And it was the breakout pass by Paul the Naples up to Westcott. You know, these are the 200-foot plays that make Penn State a successful hockey team. But as you mentioned, Butchie, Strauss Mann, he was great that period. We move on in Blackhawks Insider, and we're pleased to be joined. A special double guest episode this week. Burr and I are glad to have Kobe Cohen join us, who uh, you might not fully know who he is yet, but you will know him. You'll know the voice, uh, because if you're watching the Blackhawks and the Red Wings this Saturday evening, he's going to be filling in for Eddie Olchek alongside Pat Foley. Uh, Eddie, of course, on national duty. We've seen this a couple times this year. Um but first off, Colby, welcome to the show, and uh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm a busy trade deadline. I know we've talked a little bit about looking at what the Blackhawks have done, but uh, how fun has it been to watch uh, the last maybe 24 hours around the NHL world and everything that's taken place? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. Obviously, this is uh, this is cool just to be you know chatting with you guys, and obviously, I, I, I saw Adam play quite a bit in his career, and as I was kind of coming up through the ranks, so um, you know, doing anything Chicago Blackhawks, I mean, it's you know, it's well known throughout the hockey world that it's a first class organization, and you basically would love to play there, work there, whatever it may be. You always hear good things, and, and so it's cool to be here with you guys. And um, watching the, the trade deadline, you know, kind of pivoting. It's just crazy how creative these managers get and these these assistant GMs that are handling the cap and you know you just were chatting with Kyle Davidson and and what these guys are able to accomplish with you know the creativity and the loopholes and the salary and and getting ready for the expansion draft uh, sometimes it makes your head spin a little bit and and I always kind of joke and say I, I'm just glad that I'm a guy who sits in the in the booth and and talks about it once all the desks you know, once all the dust settles, because it, it's it's pretty wild. And uh, there's definitely been some good moves. And, and you know, uh, looking at what Chicago's done, uh, I think they set out to accomplish some stuff. And I, I, I would assume they feel like they accomplished all of it. At, at least that's kind of how it appears to me. And, and um, you know, bringing in some different assets and, and moving some guys out and, and getting return on them. Obviously, that's always a, a win for any club. Well, I watched you coming up, Colby, too. And winning a national championship with Boston University. And then for fans, if you watch the Frozen Four, we've seen you on TV. You do a great job with the college hockey stuff. And then now you're going to be sitting with Pat Boley sliding in for Eddie Olchek for a game. Um, you're really good at this, and I, and I know it's natural for you. You watch a lot of hockey. Um, for people that have seen you on social media, it's, it's hockey. You know everything about every player, it seems like, whether it's college, whether it's pick an NHL team. Um, but I also know that doing a TV game, it's different. It's different than we've seen you on the ESPN desk between periods for college hockey. Um, but you've really got to study and you've got to know these players. You can't say uh, number 22 made a pass to number 24. You've got to learn the player's name. Um, I know you've got a couple days to get ready. Now, what do you do to study? What do you do to get ready for this Blackhawks Red Wings game? Yeah. So it's, first off, I appreciate all the compliments. Um, you know, it's always, you know, when you're talking to another player, a guy who really understands the game to, to, you know, hear, hear that from those types of guys always means a lot just because, you know, you know, if I'm yeah. full of it or not, because you played and you, you know, you've been in just about any situation that I'm talking about on TV. Um, 
you know, definitely being between the glass is a little bit different. This year was not quite between the glass because of COVID. But, um, you know, I watched the game last night. Um, I went I went back and I watched um, two games, you know, previously. You're able to watch the games on, on the NHL website. The condensed games actually are really, really helpful because uh, it, you know, cuts out all the commercials and, and you really just get to see live play throughout the game. So I'll go back, I'll watch three or four older games over the past couple of weeks and I'll see the, you know, I saw Columbus last night. I'll see this Thursday's game. Um, I spent a little bit of time on the phone with Eddie Olchek, obviously just, just chatting with him and, and getting caught up, um, just talking with people. And, and I have this little system that I create of, of notes, um, you know, numerically in kind of this little boarded format that, that sort of helps me. But you know, luckily I'm kind of a nerd with hockey. It's sort of all that I know. Um, NHL networks on my TV a lot. So you just kind of hear a lot of things. Um, you know, when I do the college stuff, you run into a lot of different people, Adam, with, with scouting and managers and you chat with them, you run into, you know, five or six different teams and you, you just talk to them about what's going on with their team and, and how they're seeing their, their different situations. And then, you know, the other thing that's kind of nice for me is that, you know, I have a lot of my peers and my my friends, as as I know you do too, Adam, that are still playing. And there's really no better pulse you can get on what's going on than just just by talking to the guys. And and um, you know, I I've lived in Philly for quite a while now, and you know, I, I have a lot of good buddies on the team. And you know, you just you go to dinner a couple nights a week, and it's not like hockey's necessarily the number one topic, but you know, naturally it comes up, and you just kind of get a feel for for what's going on, but look, the Chicago Blackhawks fan base is as passionate as any. Um, and you're right. I I'll have to be ready for that and make sure that I'm, I'm well aware of all the players. And, and I have done a couple of Blackhawks games. I did one in the playoffs last year on the radio for Westwood one. I did the winter classic for Westwood one, uh, which is, you know, radio over the last couple of years. So I've had, you know, moments where I've gotten to speak to different people within the organization. And I, I got to meet Jeremy at the Winter Classic. Uh, I've run into Stan at, at the Frozen Four a couple of different times. So um, that that really helps. And, and, you know, it's just reading and really watching, though, watching and writing things down. And then that that sort of repetition is is how I will, you know, prepare. And Look, Eddie Olchick's the best at what he does. Um, obviously, big shoes to, to to try to fill for a night. And, and Pat Foley, another guy who's just a total legend. And, you know, when you work with people like that, they they generally make it easier on you because they're just so good. It's it's like having a great centerman or a great D partner that, that just makes your life a lot easier. And, and, you know, what the Blackhawks do with their current broadcasts, you know, it's very professionally done. And, and you know, from top to bottom, in-game to studio to – you know, the organization and just chatting with some of the different folks in the PR department. It's very professional. Um, you know, it's unlike anything I've done, even working in other uh, markets. So I, I think they've all made it a little bit easier on me. You mentioned some of the work that goes into, you know, doing research, everything before a broadcast happens. Uh, you know, we try to run a professional shop here on Blackhawks Insider. We emphasis on try sometimes maybe, uh, but I, you know, doing a little pre-scouting work of you myself, did I see where 
you and uh, one Patrick Kane overlapped at the at the U18 level for a little bit. I mean, you you talked about having you know an arm's length reach with the Blackhawks, you know, getting to getting to work a little bit. But I mean, if you played with Patrick Kane at the at the U18 level, you got to see firsthand what Blackhawks fans have been you know lucky enough to watch for for 14 years now. I mean, what what was that like? Yeah, so Kaner and I actually lived in the same development in Ann Arbor too, um, and you know went to high school together in, in Ann Arbor, and and it's like he's been entertaining for a long time. This this the what he's done for the last fourteen years in Chicago is not new, um, and you know it's it, he's he's insane. I mean, like he's just electric. Um, even for me as a, as somebody who has sort of had to change the way I look at the game and try to be like really analytical about it and try to learn how to evaluate what's happening is, is, is not something I was good at when I stopped playing. Like I really had to talk to different scouts and different people and ask them, well, how do they do it? And then you kind of learn what works for you and watching different TV people even, and try to take a little from this and a little from that. And, and, you know, Kaner's just electrifying. He's, he really is. I mean, I, I very much enjoy watching him play just, just as a, as a hockey fan. So, um, you know, he was incredible in the national program. He set a lot of records there. Um, I don't think people know that he's actually a pretty good basketball player too. We had some pretty good, uh, pretty good three on three basketball back in the day and in the driveway. Um, now I'm sure he can't do too much of that with, with the big contract, but, um, he's a good athlete. Like I, I mean, I've seen him, you know, do other games and other things and throw a football and, and play basketball with the boys and all that. What, you know, so, um, it'll be fun to, to, to call a game that he's a part of. I've done like I've done before. It's a shame. I won't really get a chance to see him, you know, being that they're on the road, but, um, he certainly keeps you on your toes. And he did when, you know, w- with the national program, I don't think a lot of people know that, he actually didn't make the national program right away. They, they made him earn it. They made him go to an, an additional tournament uh, for the, the U.S. summer classic of some sort. Uh, he went to it. He lit it up. I mean, hands down, skated circles around every other country and team. And then they put him on the team. And then he went on to be, you know, arguably the best guy they've ever had. Um, so... He, he's he's got a great story and it's been you know it's been fun to, to watch him win hockey games i mean i i you know i, I think most people would, uh, would probably agree with that yeah i would too the before um before this season started nobody picked the blackhawks to be a playoff contender team not to not to even mention a, a possible playoff team some days this season they've been in the playoffs and um the games you've watched what have you seen in this team they play hard at them. I mean, they really do. I mean, even last night, look, they're not, um, they're not the Blackhawks team that, that won all those cups and, and uh, a few years back, but they've built this new identity that we've got a lot of skilled players, but, but everybody plays hard. Uh, it's almost a relentless mm-hmm. looking group. Um, you know, they four check hard, they're, they're finishing checks. Um, again, it, it maybe isn't quite as, as pretty at times. And I think some of the games are a little bit harder. Uh, but they, they have this identity that they're, they're relentless and they play hard and they finish checks. And, uh, what I notice is, is just based on some of the lineup decisions that there's accountability. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's probably something that's being preached within the organization because you look at a guy like Zadorov who, who didn't play last night. Um, and you know, Jeremy Collins said in the press conference, it, it was a healthy scratch and they, they, they want more out of him. And I, and I think, 
something that always frustrates a player like that. Well, maybe on a, on a C night for him, he's still better than some guys, but they're holding him accountable to be as good as he can be. And and when he is the, the Blackhawks are a better team. So um, you know, that those are two things that really jump out to me, Adam, is, is the sort of how hard they play and, and the accountability. And, you know, obviously, again, like every time Kaner touches the puck, there's a chance something mm. can happen. I mean, you looked at the play he made last night. He breaks up a play defensively a foot and a half inside the blue line. Um, you know, whether it was a high stick or not doesn't really matter mm. at this point. But then they go down the ice and he makes a great play and, and they score another, you know, they score a big goal. So um, that, that the relentlessness and sort of that that identity of, of being a hard team and a hard forechecking team, you know, losing Yanmark, I think that's a, a little bit tough because he plays heavy, not necessarily physical, but he, he's a heavy guy on his stick. He's got a lot of uh, playoff experience with Dallas, and 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 you know, uh, I think that they'll they'll miss him for sure. But they also, you know, they they brought some heaviness back in with Connolly. Um, but but those are definitely a couple of things that stuck out to me when I watched, you know, the last yeah. six or seven games. We touched on, you know, you, you called the frozen four, you've done a lot of college hockey. Um, I think one of the big takeaways, um, for any Blackhawks fan in this year's college hockey playoffs should have been, I think the play of Wyatt Kaiser, a, a draft pick from just last year, who was kind of flying under the radar at Minnesota Duluth. Didn't maybe have the greatest regular season, but in that five overtime thriller to get wow. to the frozen four, what I think he played an hour of ice time out there. What have you seen from him? And um, specifically coming off of that tournament, how excited uh, should the Blackhawks be on yet another uh, positive prospect in the on the defensive half of the game? Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with these mid-round, thir- second, third, fourth-round defensive picks that they've made. Um, and... You know, Kaiser is such a complete player for a freshman. I mean, the college hockey has become a challenging game. You've got a lot of teams that have a lot of guys that are 24 and 25-year-old seniors. And you look at a kid like Kaiser, who's, you know, 18, 19 years old, that's a big delta between two guys. I mean, you're talking about a player who, you know, is probably just starting to shave versus a guy who could potentially have a wife and two kids. So, um, that, that's, that's a, that's a huge difference. So to see the way that he's defending and competing, um, it, it's really impressive. Um, I think that his puck skills kind of remind me a little bit of, of Wyatt Kalnuck. I, I think he's very smooth. He, he, he has an easy time breaking the puck out. He, he's able to use his feet to get him out of trouble. And, and I think that'll translate to the next level, but, um, he's, far and above a normal freshman in the fact that you're putting him out against the other team's top team. And when you play on the best college program in the United States right now, and Duluth is, they've earned that right. You know, they've been in how many in a row, three, three championships in a row. They've won a couple. They've been to the frozen four or five times. I mean, it's, it's incredible what they've built there. And he's playing against the other team's best line. He's playing in the hardest conference in the NCHC, playing against a lot of guys who are going to play in the NHL. Um, and he, he's going to be good. His offense will come. You could just tell he's got that offensive flair, but uh, I just don't think they were a real offensive-minded team. And, and I think I always give a player props that can adapt and realize how to survive. I personally failed at that as a professional, and I know how hard that is sometimes to accept the fact that goals aren't going to come. And you got to learn how to reinvent yourself and make sure that you understand, 
you know, where you can help and how to survive at, at the level that you're playing at. And, you know, that's, that's a hockey IQ thing that not a lot of guys have, um, especially at that young of an age. So I think if, if you're a Blackhawks um, nation, you, you should be pretty excited about this kid because you'll see him in the NHL, I'd say within the next three years, like, I mean, and, and maybe sooner, uh, but but you will see him in a Blackhawks uniform because he, he's definitely on a very, very good trajectory to, to filling that. You mentioned Wyatt Kalnuk uh, as a comparison there, and I'd be remiss if Burn I didn't bring up, um, you know, just our weekly pat on the yeah. back almost at this point, Burr. Of, we had him <laughs> as our guest on the show last week. He goes out, scores his first pro goal on Saturday night. I mean, Look, the the trend is there. It's been it's been happening all season long. But a congratulations to Wyatt Kalnick there. Uh, just you know, another one, Burr. I mean, you and I were talking about it on Saturday. It's uh, it, you know, it's it's great, and I think we're getting ahead of it this week because not only has now Colby been a part of this show before he gets to take a step up and and work on the TV broadcast this week, but the two previous uh, fill-ins for Eddie Olchuk this season and uh, a very nice rotation of talent we've had going uh, on on that seat. Your good friend Patrick Sharp, who's you know, a longtime friend of the show, has been coming on the show all the time, and Kendall Coyne, who we've also had on the show in the past and a member of the Blackhawks organization. So uh, we do nothing, Colby. If you learn one thing about Blackhawks Insider, we do nothing but promote people to the next level <laughs> and take their game to the highest level. So um, that's what we're help, helping you here today. Uh, but we're we're happy to have you as well. Yeah, I can't I can't wait to watch the game Saturday. And I love the work you do, Colby. Uh, I think I'm excited for fans to get Blackhawks fans to get to see you and watch you. I know you're going to do a great job and say hi to Pat Foley for. Hopefully, you're not taking him off the golf course too early that Saturday. But he should be able to get 18, maybe 27 in and. Um, but have fun doing it. I can't wait to watch you and I love the work that you do. So, uh, have fun on Saturday. Yeah, I appreciate it guys. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll chat again and, and it won't be the last time and hopefully we'll see, you know, a lot of good players coming up and coming through and, and, you know, hopefully you guys are, are going to be, you know, talking well into the playoffs or, or, you know, you'll stay in the hunt. I mean, look, uh, with Nashville, that, that, that big three games coming up against Nashville, obviously not to overlook some of the other teams, but we could be, uh, you know, reconnecting in, in 10 to 14 days and could be a mm -hmm. whole different story yeah. one way or the other. So a lot of excitement, I'm sure, for you guys. And, and um, you know, we'll, we'll uh, you, you know where to find me if, if, if you want to chat again. I'll do it. Absolutely. Real quick before we let you go, because I know we talked about this beforehand and I messed up and didn't uh, didn't bring it up sooner, but trade deadline, we started talking about the trade deadline. A lot of college hockey products uh, being acquired by the Blackhawks at the deadline. Adam Gaudet, 2018 Hobie Baker winner. Ryder Rolston, who's a freshman at Notre Dame. Josh Dickinson, who has been between the AHL, ECHL the last few years, but spent one year at Clarkson in, in 2017, 2018. What do you like about some of the at least player hall that Stan Bowman uh, and the hockey operations staff were able to get uh, at the deadline? Yeah, well, I mean, Gaudet, I think, you know, it's it's logical to start with him. Uh, we've watched him have a lot of success early on in, in this league. And um, I think that's something you always have to caution yourself on a little. You know, the guys who sustain it, it's it's a whole different ball game, um, you know, making it and then sustaining it. But I think uh, – that, that, that's got a lot of upside. You know, I, I just, I don't see the risk in, in making a decision like that. You've got a player who's, who's on a pretty, 
a reasonable contract that has high upside. He, he was a dominant player in college, doesn't always translate. It did translate one year in the NHL where he scored about 15 goals. Um, and I, I just think sometimes guys need a little bit of a change of scenery and, and he's a big guy. It sounds like there was a little bit of an emphasis on getting a little bit heavier uh, in, in the organization. And uh, I, I liked that one. Uh, the other one, um, you know, not quite as familiar with those players, but did, did dig around a little bit. I know Ryder Ralston has, you know, some, some pretty good hockey bloodlines. His dad, you know, played in the NHL a long time, was a pretty heavy shooter. I'm uh, sure yeah. you, uh, you yep. might have crossed paths oh, yeah. he with him. He could sling Adam. it. I'm yep. not he sure. could sling it. Yeah, he, he could really shoot. And his, his uncle actually was my coach at the national development team, Ron Ralston. So they're, they're a hockey family. The great thing about a guy like him, you basically now have four more years for this kid to see if he becomes a good player. I mean, he's a big kid. Uh, he plays with a lot of energy. I don't think he's a, a super, super high-end skilled player, but he's going to have a good coach with Jeff Jackson. He's close to Chicago. I know um, Stan Bowman you know, spends time watching Notre Dame. I've run into him at Notre Dame before. So um, you know, he'll, he'll get a good opportunity to develop there for four years. And again, basically no risk in, in a play like that. And, and then uh, the other guy, Josh Dickinson, uh, his brother – you know, Jason has, has turned himself into a pretty good NHL player. He took a little bit longer to develop. Um, and when you look at uh, Josh, you know, he left college after one year, which, which you know, he had a great year at Clarkson and then left, which I, I thought was a little bit strange, um, probably left a little bit too soon. Uh, and, and talking to some people in Colorado, I think they, they felt like they probably should have pushed him to stay longer. Um, but hey, with on you know with three agents, sometimes you you pull them out a little bit quick and and let the chips fall. But you know I, I think he's he's a skilled player, Dickinson. I think uh, he's got to continue to work on his skating and and you know you never know. I mean a change of scenery, you know, he gets going a little bit in the American League and and you'll have to see. But ultimately, you know, low risk with with solid to to, to high upside. When you look at Gaudet, um, you know, Harding is another guy. Who, who, again, it, it doesn't cost you much to, to bring him in and get him into the mix and see. I mean, he was a good player at BC this year. He's, he's another guy who's bigger, a little bit heavier. And, and when he learns to play professionally, uh, you know, he could be a guy that adds a little bit of beef to the lineup somewhere down the line. Um, so ultimately, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's, it's good to see these college kids that, that um, are getting opportunities and, and, Again, the, the the college route just provides you more time to develop, um, and and sometimes for some guys that's good. For some guys, it doesn't really matter if you're really good. But um, you know, we'll have to wait and see how some of them shake out. I know Burr's a big proponent of the college route himself. Uh, big product there out of Wisconsin. Takes a lot of pride in the Wyatt Kalmuk <laughs> lineage there as well. But Colby, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, no perfect time, no more of a perfect time really to have you on with so many college products coming in. That's specifically been your wheelhouse the last few years, of course, the NHL as a whole. But it's been great talking to you, get to know you, get your insight, great insight all the way around from you. And uh, we look forward to hearing you on Saturday. It's, it's going to be great. Have some fun out there. Uh, you know what you're talking about, obviously. So just uh, enjoy it. And I'm sure all the Blackhawks fans will, will appreciate uh, your insight and expertise on the game. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll have to find that out on Sunday. <laughs> well, thank you, Colby. And that'll do it for this week's episode. For Kyle Davidson, Colby Cohen, and Adam Burrish, I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kingdom takes them.